0: All right, Messy Families. I can't think about Messy Families at Christmas time without thinking about that movie. How many of y'all saw or remember that movie called Four Christmases? I remember that one. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it's kind of a good movie. Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. They play this young couple, and his parents are divorced, and her parents are divorced. They've got like four different places they have to go, and they don't really get along with any of them. So here's what they decide to do. See, they told their family they were going to go inoculate children in Burma. But then their flight gets in you know, are on the news. So now maybe your Christmas isn't quite that messy. Maybe you don't have four different places you've got to be. But my guess is that every single person here knows that as wonderful as Christmas can be as a time of year, it can also be a really rough time of year relationally. Because we all have at least some kind of family messiness going on. And it's funny when it's in the movies. But when it's in real life, not so much. Anybody see the news story this week about the girl on Craigslist who took out the ad wanting to rent a family for the holidays? Did you see anybody? Anybody else see this? I'm not making this up. This was just this week. Here's the the Craigslist ad, 26-year-old college student in California, seeking a family to rent for $8 an hour for a few days during the holiday season. I want to rent a mom and dad. She tells a really just heartbreaking story of how she's suffered years of abuse and neglect. And the one thing that, that, that really caught me was this quote here. I've never felt the touch of my mom hugging me and holding me. I don't know what it's like to look in my dad's eyes and feel love instead of hatred. Wow. Man, that is Heartbreaking. And though odds are the family messes that we all have to deal with probably aren't quite as messy as the home life of of the woman who's looking for a family on Craigslist, here's what I believe. Some of y'all I know, most of y'all I don't, but here's what I believe. I believe every single person here has at least one person they're going to have to see in the next couple of weeks that they don't want to have to see. My guess is each and every one of us is going to have to spend more time with somebody over the next couple of weeks than we would if it was completely up to us. And it's because of hurt. Somebody hurts you. Maybe it was in the past and it's a long time ago and everybody pretends like it never happened. Or maybe it's in the not so distant past. Or maybe it's something that's going on right now. Or maybe, maybe it's not something that somebody did to you. Maybe it's something that somebody did to somebody you care about. I, I know some folks, you can do pretty much whatever you want to them. But, 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 but hurt somebody they love, and ooh, it's on. And maybe this year it's hard for you to see somebody or be around somebody, not because of what they did to you, but because of what they did to somebody else in your family that you care about. See, I think we all got somebody like that, y'all. I think we all got somebody in our lives that, that, that we have bitterness toward. Somebody in our family, somebody in our extended family. I got somebody like that in my life. I'm pretty sure I am that somebody (laughs) in somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's what I believe. I believe every single one of us here this morning has somebody in our families that we feel bitterness and resentment toward. And here's what I believe about Christmas. I do not believe that Christmas is just this nice time of year where you just sort of, you know, sweep it all under the rug, fake it till you make it and put on a happy face and, you know, just don't ruin Christmas. No, no, I don't believe that God wants your Christmas to be just a a matter of just a little bit of a feel-good kind of veneer that you coat everything with. I really believe that Christmas is about God reaching into the messiness the messes of our life and, and, and pulling us out of them, taking us from, from a place of mess to some place that we otherwise could never go on our own. And when it comes to dealing with bitterness in our families and extended families, uh, let's come at it this way. Lights, please. yeah, got, got love Charlie Brown. I don't care who you are. Gotta got love Charlie Brown stuff. And what, what Linus is reciting there is straight out of the Bible, out of Luke chapter 2. He's telling us the beginning of the shepherd story. But, but don't let all that peace on earth, goodwill toward men stuff fool you. Don't, don't confuse that. Don't, don't, don't mistake that for just some sort of Christmas card type sentiment. Because see, that was God speaking to the shepherds through the angels. And, and, and when he said what he said, he was speaking to them right where they were at. See, I don't think I was taught right about the shepherds. I was always taught to think of the shepherds as just these peaceful, laid back guys with this peaceful, laid back life, you know, and all their peaceful, laid back sheep out in the field. I mean, that's the way it is on the Christmas cards, right? Wrong. That was not their deal. How many of y'all remember that uh, TV show, Dirty Jobs? Remember Dirty Jobs? Yeah, Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. I found the worst one of all online this week. Horse fecal sample collector. And you have to collect it from inside the horse. By hand. Yeah, I'm sorry for even bringing that to mind. But here's the point. The shepherd in the day, that was a dirty job. But it was even worse because being a shepherd, if, if, if you were a shepherd, you, didn't just consi- you weren't considered to just have a dirty job. You were considered dirty as a person. See, in those days, there was all this kind of social and, and fake legalistic religious stigma associated with being a shepherd and being somebody who worked with sheep and around the sheep stuff. And, and so if you were a shepherd, you were considered unclean. So people wouldn't associate with you. People wouldn't go near you. People looked down on you. In fact, it was was so bad that if you were a shepherd, if that was your job, you weren't even allowed to go to church like everybody else. Now, I know a lot of us have jobs that makes it hard to make it here sometimes on the weekends. But imagine a job that if you had the job, you weren't allowed to come here on a weekend. That's a dirty job. And they were treated their whole lives like they didn't matter. And they were told that they didn't even matter to God. But we shouldn't think of the shepherds as just these like, you know, innocent victims of oppression and prejudice. Because many times shepherds were people who became hostile and bitter toward the society that, that, re, that rejected them. Uh, shepherds often lived in these kind of semi-nomadic bands and they would become kind of like, like street gangs, like, like, like thugs, hooligans, I was reading one New Testament scholar who said that in Jesus' day that you, you, were, you were not allowed to buy anything from a shepherd including a sheep because if you bought something from a shepherd you were presumed to be buying stolen property. See, respectable people didn't associate with the shepherds but the, the shepherds gave it right back and didn't associate with other folks a lot of times as well. And isn't that, listen, isn't that the way that it works? Somebody hurts us and we find ways to give it right back, don't we? Mess with us, we're gonna mess with you and when we do we get stuck in these cycles of bitterness and resentment. I'm convinced that that's exactly why when God announced to the very first people that Jesus was going to be born, he picked the shepherds because when he picked the shepherds, he picked people who were stuck in just all kinds of mess including bitterness. And when God said what he said to the shepherds, he wasn't just, you know, giving them theological data. He was actually making it possible for them to be set free from the cycles of bitterness and resentment that they were stuck in. And I really believe that what would happen back in that day is happening in this place right here, right now today, if we'll let it. And let's be really clear. When God wants to bring us out of our bitterness and resentment, that is no small thing to be willing to come out of. It's really interesting. Brain researchers tell us that whenever you have like a, like a, like a bitter or resentful impulse and you act on it it, it, it stimulates the pleasure centers in your brain. Like on a brain scan, if you like lash out at somebody, the, the pleasure centers in your brain will like light up. For instance, you know, you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, you know, you, you cuss them out and flip them off and for a second, you know how good that feels? I mean, I wouldn't know myself. Of course, no, not me, but people tell me it feels really good. And, uh, the, and brain research, honestly, when you act on bitter and resentful impulses, it stimulates the same parts of your brain that, that snorting cocaine does. But if you're saying to yourself, well, that doesn't really apply to me because I have my bitterness, but I don't really lash out at anybody. I I, I hold it all in. Careful now. Here's what the brain research also tells us. Anytime I even think bitter, resentful thoughts against somebody, it lights up those pleasure centers in my brain. You know how you do that thing where you tell somebody off, but just in your mind? Ah, I guess you do. Here's how it works for me. You know, it's like, well, you know, you're a this and you're a that. And, you know, you did this to me and, I'm, and I didn't deserve that. And you, you know, you know what you do. You do that. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. You, yeah, you're, you're good and I'm bad and I'm horrible and you're, and you're not. Yeah, you got that right. It's not just me, is it? I love telling people off in my mind. It releases adrenaline, y'all. But at the same time that all that adrenaline is being released, the downside is that it's just like drugs like cocaine. It releases all sorts of other stress-related chemicals that are actually toxic to our systems and can 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 lead to us feeling run down and distressed and depressed. One of my favorite authors puts it this way of the seven deadly sins, anger, and when he says anger, he doesn't mean feeling angry, he means, you know, uh, resentment. Anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. So don't say it out loud right now, but who is it for you this Christmas? Who's wronged you? Who's hurt you? Or somebody that you love? Who are you bitter towards? Who, who do you like to tell off in your head? And if they're sitting next to you right now, look right this way. <laughs> Trust me, be in a bubble right here. Stay right here, okay? Listen, friends, come on now. Christmas is not about syrupy, Sentimentality. God wants to free us up from the messiness of our lives, including the messiness of that, of that, of that toxic residue from hurts known as bitterness and resentment in us. And that first Christmas, when, when God reached out to the shepherds, he was reaching out to people who had a lot to be bitter about. And right here, right now, God is doing the same thing. God is reaching out to people who have things to be bitter about. I'm not here to tell you today not to feel that way. You have your reasons. But you don't have to stay stuck in it. And that's why I love the shepherd's story. Here's, the, here's, here's some more of the story. This part isn't in Charlie Brown, but you get it here at no extra charge. This is from Luke chapter 2. This is the rest, part of the rest of their story. Continuing on, Luke 2, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. See, watch the arc of the story here. Here's what happens when the angels say, hey, peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. That includes you, shepherds. The shepherds didn't go, cool, thanks for telling us. No, the shepherds go, we got to see this for ourselves. You're saying this baby's born that means that we matter to God. We got to see this for, them, for ourselves. So they go walking off. And, 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 and when they get to the stable, when they, when they get to Bethlehem, think about this. Who else does it say besides Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus was there? Who else does it say was there? Are you with me? Nobody. Nobody else was there. See, if you're the shepherds and you're expecting to get there, they're expecting crowds, right? And they're expecting, you know, the VIPs to be in the front and some guy standing there with like a velvet cord, you know, saying, oh, you, you're in and you're out. And they're expecting to have to stand in the back and, you know, maybe on tippy-toe, hope to, hope to catch a glimpse from the distance because they're, you know, they're not allowed like to be treated like regular people. But when they get there, they're the only ones there. I mean, the shepherds got rock star parking. They got front row VIP seats for the most significant event in the history of the world. And, and see, this, I believe this is the point in their journey from, from, from bitterness to something better, where that journey starts to really pick up some steam. Because it's then that the shepherds realize that they matter to God. Not just everybody in general, but them in particular. When they see Jesus, they know they matter to God. God had picked them. God had sent the angels to them. God had reached out to them. They mattered to God. Not just everybody in general. They mattered to God and they knew it. Do you? I mean, come on now. Everybody believes it's sort of God just loves everybody. Yeah, God loves everybody, yada, yada. What about you, though? I don't care if you believe if God loves everybody. How about you? And that, when that happens, man, something happens. Here's, here's the rest of the story. More from Luke 2. Look what it says. When they, the shepherds, had seen him... They spread the word, meaning they leave and they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. Don't miss the story. See what's happening? They see baby Jesus here and they know that what the angel said is true, that man, now they matter to God. Doesn't matter what anybody else says about them. They matter to God. And and, and they're just like energized and they leave that place and you see they're talking to people and they're saying, you know what? I matter to God and you matter to God too. But notice who they're talking to. Shepherds didn't talk to folks. They're talking to people who didn't want to have nothing to do with them. And who until now, they didn't want anything to do with them either. Because all that bitterness. You see what's going on? See, God's love for them, it didn't just kind of feel good. It changed them. And they go from being hated haters to peace Proclaiming preachers. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, this is like Packers fans buying Bears fans a beer without spitting in it first. <laughs> Man. And come on now, this is not just, you know, there and then a long time ago in a land far, far away. No, no, this is about you and your life and your messy family right now. You and me right now, so let's do some work. Don't say it out loud, but who is it? Who in your family are you bitter toward this Christmas? Who are you harboring hostility toward this Advent season? And listen, you've heard us say it before, but we're going to keep saying it again. You matter to God. And the God who loves you doesn't want to leave you stuck in that mess of bitterness. And man, the stakes are so high. We probably all heard in the last couple of weeks about the passing of Nobel Peace Prize winner Nelson Mandela in South Africa. My wife and I actually got engaged in South Africa some years ago. And uh, here's a picture, a friend of mine in South Africa. A friend of mine in South Africa, his mother painted this. That's an oil painting. That's not a photo. That's an oil painting. My friend in, in Cape Town, his mom, his mom did that. And if you're not familiar with, the, with Mandela's story, um, a, Mandela never claimed he was a saint. He had a very checkered past. And after, after 27 years in prison for the part he was accused to, uh, in playing in the revolt against the racist apartheid regime in South Africa, he was set free by his captors. And there are a lot of quotes, but let me just go to the quote that, that was my favorite. This was a, a quote from Mandela himself about what he wrote about the experience of being set free from prison after 27 years. He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness behind and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Listen, when this service is over day, you can go out those doors. You go pretty much anywhere you want. But if you don't leave your bitterness and hatred behind or at least take some significant steps in that direction, you're in prison. And if you don't want to be, here's what to do. Here's what to do. Just walk this walk that the shepherds walked. See, remember, when the the angels said to the shepherds, they said, think about what the angels didn't say. The, The angels didn't say, you know, Good news of great joy for people who are nice to you. Didn't say good news of great joy for people who deserve it. It said, they said good news of great joy for all. And man, all is such a pivotal word. Because all includes that brother of yours or that sister of yours who keeps gossiping on you. All includes your ex who did you like they did you. All includes the mom or the dad or the stepmom or the stepdad who did to you what nobody should do to anybody, let alone somebody in their own family. All all includes the 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 the, the cousin who keeps snubbing you. All includes. That spouse in that difficult marriage. It's real interesting from like a biblical language standpoint. The the the, the book of Luke was, was written originally in, 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 in an ancient language called Koine Greek, and it's really interesting. In in Koine Greek, you know what the word all literally means? It means all. <laughs> I know. It's like Right, all means all. That's a heavy, deep theological truth. You might want to write that down. All means all. But listen, this is not just like some theological dogma, and that's what we believe at the church. Isn't that nice? No, 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 no. This is absolutely crucial in, in in you going from bitterness to something better. Because think about what bitterness does. Bitterness. If you've hurt me, when I look at you, I don't see you. I just see what you did to me. That person that you've hurt. When that person that's been hurt that you've been hurt by. You know what I'm saying? That person who hurts you, when you look at them, you don't see them. You just see what they did to you. Are you with me? You can say yes, no, or I don't know. Are you with me? This is Yeah, oh, thank you very much. That's exactly what bitterness does. It gets us to reduce someone to the sum total of their wrongs against us. And Christmas, friends, does exactly the opposite. I mean, where would I be? Where would I be if, when God looked at me, all he saw was all the stuff I've done? So many things I've done that I shouldn't have done. So many things that I should have done that I didn't. You think Jesus is born for me? If God reduces me to the sum total of my wrongs against him? No way. And see, this is, this is the hard but, but freeing bitter pill to swallow of Christmas. That person that you gotta see that you don't wanna see, that person that you can't stand, that the most conniving, hateful, hurtful person in your life, that person, Christmas is the radical reality that that person matters immensely to God. And that's not just some theological thing that just happens to be be true. Because see, when I realize that, when when I admit to myself that the person I'm bitter toward matters immensely to God, just like I do, then I can ask God to help me see that person the way he sees them. And then when I ask God to help me see them the way he sees them, Then I can ask God to replace my bitterness for them with his love. And and when I say, you know, God, please replace my bitterness with your love. I'm not talking about, you know, oh God, please make me, you know, fill my heart with warm, fuzzy feelings towards this person. Oh God, please make me look forward to seeing this person. Oh God, please make me want to put their picture up as the cover photo for my Facebook page. No, no, we're not talking about some sort of touchy-feely like, you know, God made me feel a certain way. No, 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 no. You're asking God to, 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 to put the power of love in you to choose to bless the person who has cursed you. I mean, come on now. Think of what Jesus said. You've heard it before. Jesus said, love your enemies. Look at it. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. We got to decide here today, friends, whether those are just nice words or if we really believe this stuff. We got to decide if we just like, if we just happen to like Jesus or if we're going to obey him. Look what he says, bless those who curse you. And I love it that he says one specific thing. He says, pray for those who mistreat you. Man, you want to talk about something, the most radically transformative thing I've found in my own journey out of bitterness to something better is, is when God challenged me, go, Tim, that person that you can't stand, you pray for them every day and you pray that, that, that I will bless them emotionally, relationally, physically, and financially. And ooh, I hate that last one. I, ooh, I'll pray for them, but not financially. I want you to bless me, God. Financially, don't bless them. Bless me. (laughs) Close friend of mine shared this story with me, and he says, I could share it with you. I share with my friend Jake's permission. Jake lives up here in Lamont. The most bitter part of me comes from the story of my relationship with my mom. Alcohol was and continues to be my mom's favorite thing. The thing she chooses over everything, including a relationship with me. That's a tough thing for me to even write down, let alone say out loud. The last time I had contact with my mom was after my first child was born. I hadn't heard from her in over a year. I hadn't even seen her in 20 years. And out of the blue, she contacted me. She'd gone through a rehab program and said she was sober. And we started talking over the phone. After several conversations, I asked her if she would like, me, if she would like to meet her new grandson. She didn't, she didn't hesitate. She definitely wanted to. But for some reason, she didn't want me to come to her place. So I said I would call her in the morning and we could meet at the park near her house in Rockford. She said, okay. We hung up. In the morning when I called, there was no answer. I left a message that I was on my way and said I'd meet her at the park at a particular time. I packed up my son and, and off we went to Rockford. I called again when I got to town, hoping she would answer. Again, no answer. So I stopped at Walgreens and made a copy of my son's baby picture, put it in a card and wrote, Mom, just wanted you to know you are loved and went to the park. She didn't show. So I left the card on a picnic table and called her as I drove away, leaving one last message letting her know the card was waiting for her. When I hung up, I wept. It hurt all over again. But this time I experienced something new. For whatever reason, this time I saw her as God sees her. I just see an alcoholic who was never there for me. But God sees a broken, hurting, lonely woman in need of peace and goodwill. The message of good news is for all, including my alcoholic mom. I've got a long way to go, my friend says, but with God's help and the support of my friends from church, I'm trading my bitterness for my mom to God's love for my mom. It's happening. She is not changing, but I am. And no way could that ever happen in my life if Jesus hadn't been born. And that's peace and good news for me. That's my buddy Jake's story. Now it's your turn. Nobody has to leave this place today without taking at least one step toward the door out of the prison of bitterness. So here's what I want you to do. I want to ask everybody to close their eyes. Don't worry. It's not going to get weird. Nobody's going to levitate or anything. Just close your eyes and right now in your mind's eye, picture the person that you are most bitter toward in your family or extended family this Christmas. And when you got somebody in mind, keep your eyes closed, but just give me a little head nod so I know you're you're tracking with me. Got somebody? Thank you. Got somebody? Okay. 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 Now, right now, as you picture this person, tell your heavenly father what they did to you. I know he knows, but tell him again. Tell him what they did to you. Next step, I know it's a lot to ask. but ask God to help you see them the way he sees them. Just as simple as that. God, help me see them the way you see them. And one last thing. I know it's a lot, but I challenge you even as I challenge myself. Lord, please replace my bitterness with your love. I can't do it, but you can. Help me. Help me. Help me. Okay, give me your eyes. Friends... The road from bitterness to something better, the road from bitterness to love, it begins in Bethlehem. It starts in the stable with the good news that Jesus means that God, no matter who you are or what you've done, God loves you as you are and not as you should be because not a one of us are as we should be. And Christmas means that Jesus was was born for you, that Jesus lived for you, that that the baby who was born in that manger died for you, and that he loved you so much that not even death itself could hold him back from you. And the one who was born in Bethlehem who helped the, the shepherds go from bitterness to love, he'll help you too. For unto you is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord.